just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, happy Friday out there. What are your plans for this weekend? I'm watching football. Uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe, may, are you fasting this weekend? <laughs> I like my fasting with an E in it, which turns fasting into feasting. <laughs> so obviously, I've got the feasting part down, but not so much the, the fasting part. But what, what's the significance of those? And beyond just the physical food aspect of fasting and feasting, is there spiritual significance? And it's, uh, i be honest with you, it's always one of those things in the Bible that I'm like, how is kind of weird? Why? You know, what's going on? What can we learn from food? What does God think about food? I mean, he made it, uh, and yet it's, it was the original downfall, if you, if you take it literally, right? Well, we're going to get into some of that. And our guest today is a prolific writer. Her latest book is called Feasting and Fasting. Looks just like this. Her name is Erin Davis, and she is the content director for an organization called Revive Our Hearts. She hosts some podcasts. One of them is called Women of the Bible, and the other one is The Deep Well with Erin Davis. And so she is out there teaching and writing and communicating when she's not, my little bio thing says, when she's not chasing chickens on the farm. So I'll have to ask her about that. Erin, good to have you on Life Today Live. Uh, good to be with you. I want to say right out of the gate that fasting during a football game is not the way we want to play this. That's a bad idea. That's the time for nachos uh, and potato skins and all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, so that that's interesting. That that raises a question. I mean, what what are you talking about in the book? Are, are you talking about the, the, the physical aspects of the food? Because, you know, most people would say maybe you should lay off on the nachos and potato skins anyway, but right. I don't know. Is this a diet thing or is there something else going it on? It is not a diet thing. I will never be anyone's diet coach. Uh, <laughs> you can probably tell that from looking at me. I am just somebody trying to figure out how to walk out my faith in Jesus in my everyday life. And I love scripture. Um, and I believe that it is the guide for all of life. And it talks about food a lot. Yeah. You mentioned the garden. That's right out of the gate. We see that forbidden fruit that leads to the fall of man. But you could trace it all the way to the end. Revelation, there's the wedding feast of the Lamb. I believe we're going to eat in heaven. That seems pretty clear to me in Scripture. And then all the way through, I mean, just think about it for a minute. There's the feeding of the 5,000. There's Jesus' first miracle, which is water into wine. There's food everywhere. And yet I just haven't found a lot of folks that are talking about how their faith in Jesus intersects with something that we all do every day. And that's it. So have you seen the uh, the Oceans movies, Oceans 11, Oceans 12? I have, yeah. Did, did you notice that Brad Pitt is always eating in the scenes? I didn't he's notice. Always get, yeah, it's like it's it's a kind of a running joke thing, but that was part of his character. He's, huh. he's always eating. He's always eating something. I, I This is going to – I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but there's so many times where I'm like, Cause Jesus got this Brad Pitt thing going on in the Bible. I mean – right. He, they're, they're sitting down, they're eating, they're, they're feasting, even after the resurrection, and he shows up, you know, on the, what was it? On the beach. Uh, on the they beach. Fish and for breakfast, which I think's weird, but they're eating. <laughs> fish for breakfast? Yeah, that's yeah. a M Middle Eastern thing I'm thinking. Right. Do, what, do you have any insight into why that is? Well, uh, he was fully human, and we could all be that character of Brad Pitt. I mean, we're all eating all the time. We are a culture that 
has a kind of a complicated relationship with food, I would say, but we love to eat. And then we have all these other emotions tied to eating, but Jesus had a body and that body needed fed. And part of me looking at scripture and trying to figure out what it has to say about food is the realization that God could have made our bodies any number of ways. He didn't have to make us to need food at all. And there's a lot of creatures in creation that don't need to eat very often. Cave-dwelling olms, for example, they only have to eat about once a decade. There's a lot of sharks that only have to eat every few months. That's why they're so hungry. But we have to eat daily. Why did God make us that way? Um, and I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But I don't presume to know all of God's motives. But he built in us this kind of internal alarm that says you need something outside of yourself. And that is food. And then God provides that food. So Jesus was modeling the rhythm of life that you and I have, that we'll have our whole lives. As soon as babies are born, they want to eat. And when we think about the end of our lives, we're thinking about what would I want to have for my very last meal? It's that pervasive in our lives. And so, of course, it wasn't Jesus's too, because he fully embraced the human experience. So what do you what do you see as some of the spiritual connections? I mean, because you, you're at 40 devotions around it, uh, but you, you the subtitle says for the hungry heart. What kind of parallel are you drawing between physical hunger and spiritual hunger? Oh, man, they are all over scripture. I mean, Jesus called himself the bread of life. Mm -hmm. um, that is a food reference. He was speaking to something that we would all understand, which is that bread can satisfy our physical hunger. But we're not just physically hungry. We're spiritually hungry. We all have in this this gnawing craving for significance, uh, to understand our purpose in the world, for security, for identity. And Jesus in saying, I'm the bread of life, was saying, I'm the one that satisfies those deep spiritual cravings. He also called himself living water. Same thing. We all know what it's like to be thirsty. And he was saying, and he said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst. You're going to be satisfied in me. He was saying, imagine when your mouth is dry and you need to drink so bad, spiritually speaking, I'm the answer for that. And there's many, many other food references. I think of that, that vision that Peter had where all of that food came down from heaven. And the Lord said, Peter, don't call unclean what I call clean. Uh, and he was talking to him, of course, about grace and the old covenant and the new covenant, but he used food to explain it. Yeah. So when you start looking, I really did start looking. I wanted to understand fasting. That's where I started okay. because fasting is all over scripture. And I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it and I wanted to understand it, but I actually see the two rhythms in scripture. It's not just fasting, it's fasting and feasting, but man, over and over and over, God, I think uses those natural appetites as a parable to show us how to satisfy our greater appetites, which is our spiritual appetite. So it really is amazing when you sit down to try and look at it through that lens, how much God is trying to show us through food. I've, I've got the feasting part down. Uh, yeah, most of us do. Right, we, we, That's the easy part. And, you know, interestingly, the Old Testament commanded feasts. That's right. They weren't just right. allowed. They were, it's like God was like, no, this is, there's something more to this than just eating, right? Right. And, and you know, the the idea of, of come and taste and a, a table set before us. I mean, there's mm. there's so many, you're right, there's so many spiritual references to the feasting. And I think most of us kind of get that. In other words, I mean, yeah. at least we understand it on some level. The fasting, though, I don't know. Where, where, do, you, where do you go with the fasting? 
Yeah, it's challenging. Um, this whole exploration started for me in Mac, Mark chapter 9. So that's the verse right after the transfiguration. There was a man who had brought his demon possessed son. If you know that verse, you know, he was doing crazy stuff like throwing himself in the fire and he brought him to the disciples and the disciples tried to drive the demons out, which, you know, that in itself has many layers of interest, but they couldn't do it. And that's where that dad prays that beautiful prayer that we all parents have prayed. I believe, help my unbelief. I believe enough to pray. But then Jesus comes down from the mountain praise the demon comes out and off they go and later the disciples said uh what was the deal jesus why could you do it and we didn't and jesus said this kind can only be driven out by prayer and fasting and that just grabbed my heart because i don't have a demon possessed boy thank goodness but i have many this kinds those kinds of things that i have tried to drive out of my own life they could be relational challenges they could be areas of struggle it could be physical pain and i could say the same thing to jesus like why why can't i do anything about this and that combination of prayer and fasting started the hunt for me you're right it is mandated in the old testament many many times for israel like high stakes fasting you must fast but for us in the new covenant it's not a mandate for us but it is something that jesus himself did which is the reason enough for me to want to understand it and embrace it mm-hmm. And it's something that we see all throughout the New Testament. The disciples did it as well. So I think for us, it is not a mandate, but it is a gift. Um, It's not a duty. It is a delight. But I think most of us leave it wrapped and on the shelf. So for me, over the past several years, I've incorporated fasting into my own walk with the Lord. And it is a gift. I want other people to understand how God uses it and how powerful it can be. So um, I don't have it all figured out, but I do know that Jesus did it. I do know that it's biblical, and I do know that it can be a tool that God uses to do something supernatural that might not come by another means. So I think we should figure it out. So how how long did you fast? Just speaking from personal, not trying to lay down any kind of rules or anything sure. for anybody. What, what was your personal, what, how long did you do it, and what did you get out of it? Yeah, that's a, I mean, I'm glad you said there aren't rules. That's an important point that is not formulaic. Mm. So if you were to just look at scripture and try to find all the different people that fasted, say you created a massive chart, (laughs) what you'd find is they were very varied. Some were a certain one link, some were a different link, some were total food, some were not. So same in my own experience. The way I kind of dipped my toe into the water is several years ago, I decided I was going to fast every Friday for my sons. I have four sons ages four to 14. And you know, there's no shortage of reasons to pray for those uh, sons of mine. So I would just fast, I wouldn't have breakfast or lunch, and I would eat dinner for Fridays for about a year. And my two oldest boys gave their lives to Jesus in that year. Now, it wasn't because I was fasting, I didn't twist the arm of God. But I could see that God was using my humility and denying myself food uh, to move. Then I then I just continue to sometimes say, okay, Lord, I I have this sense that I want to fast. What does that look like? It takes abiding. It takes listening to the Holy Spirit. And this next part makes people uncomfortable because there's that passage in Matthew where Jesus tells us when we fast to go in our rooms and shut the door. So we think we're not supposed to talk about fasting. That's not how I interpret that verse. But I've done two 40-day fasts, only liquids. One was when I was launching the women's ministry at my church, and one was before my 40th birthday. And I've done some just for a day. I had a friend a couple of weeks ago that was walking through something really hard, 
And I just texted her and said, hey, I'm going to fast on Tuesday for you. I want you to know that the time I would have spent eating, I'm going to spend praying for you. Hmm. So that was like eight hours, six hours. <laughs> um, so it varies. There's not a one size fits all, which we want. We want to know, okay, what's the checklist? How do I do it right? But it takes abiding and walking in the spirit. So uh, I think I may have been laughing inappropriately when you when you said <laughs> the fast was about six or eight hours. Is that was that what you meant by the time? Yes. Okay, because you said what you were going. I meant? You said you were going to be praying for the time oh, that you would no. be eating, which would be about six or eight hours. And I was like, Yeah, I've had this those girl days likes too. To eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are Sundays usually during football season. I'm that's like right. I'm eating for about six to eight hours. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand fasting at all. Uh, mm. I, I just know that sometimes when we do things that we don't understand out of obedience, God, God honors it. And Great way to say it. Yeah. So you go, okay, I'm, I'm the little kid that the parent's trying to explain something. And the kid's going, I don't get it. And the mm, parent mm. goes, just trust me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I yeah, figured it out. Let me, great. Let me ask you, I want to show people your website real quick. This is AaronDavis.org. Uh, for all of you up in Canada who uh, have your own Erin Davis, she's Erin Davis. <laughs> That's just, right. We're you, not you, the same Erin Davis. Yeah, ErinDavis.org. <laughs> uh, and a picture of your kids is there. That youngest one's not quite four in this one, so this is a few years old. Yep, he yeah. just turned four. Oh, yep. Okay. Um, so when you talk about food, um, have you ever experience the negative side of food because i've been saying i need to lose 20 pounds for about eight months now and i think i've Mm. lost like zero maybe lose a few find them again yeah you know you have any struggles in those areas oh absolutely i mean i can go way way back if we have if we want to take the time there's a generational pattern in my family for sure Um, but here's this, I think I wrote this in the book, but this kind of encapsulates it for me. My grandma in the fifties ate a tapeworm to lose weight. There was no FDA. She intentionally ate a tapeworm and she lost the weight, uh, and kind of bragged about it years later. I'm like, well, yeah, you had a parasite living inside of you, but so desperate was her desire Mm. to have control over her body or food or both that she was willing to take that step. Fast forward to the next generation, my mom watched my mom diet my whole childhood. Same thing, she'd win some, she'd lose some. She'd gain some, she'd lose it. She'd be comfortable, then she'd be uncomfortable. And and to her, that seemed totally normal and benign, except for she was raising two little girls who were watching that and getting our own understanding of how we were supposed to relate to food through that. Take me to my college years. I developed a full-blown eating disorder. I was very, very thin, mm. which happens when you're not eating at all, uh, but not not healthy. Didn't have um, a, a, a right understanding of food. Go into adulthood. I start having children of my own. That always brings weight and changes in food patterns. And I'm wanting mm-hmm. to model healthy things for my sons, but not sure I even know what that looks like. And then a few years ago, I sat in my doctor's office and bought. And she said, what's the matter? I said, I don't know. I feel terrible all the time. My joints hurt. I have headaches every day. I'm irritable. I'm sluggish. I've had you guys do blood work. I've had you guys run tests. You keep telling me there's nothing wrong with me, but I don't feel good. And she started to talk to me about food. Hmm. And she wasn't a, a nutritionist. She wasn't a dietitian. This is like basic medical stuff that I should have known. And I did know. I just wasn't living it. 
And she said, here's the deal. There's a, everything is sending you messages to eat the kinds of food that are not good for your body. And the more of those foods you eat, the more you're going to want them. But the reverse is also true. The more of the good stuff you eat, the more of the good stuff you're going to want. And even in that moment, I knew there were spiritual parallels. Isn't that true? I mean, the more of Jesus I get, the more of him I want. The more of scripture I read, the more scripture I want to read. The more I enjoy the fellowship of the saints, the more I want to enjoy the fellowship of the saints. So that wasn't enough to flip the switch for me, however. Uh, it took another couple of years and me getting really, really sick and having just a systems crash involving my heart and my kidneys for me to go, okay, you know what? It's time for me to steward this one body I have better. And that's not just a food struggle. That's an exercise struggle. That's a stress management struggle. It's layered. But uh, I can say that I no longer feel like I was in that tug of war that I was in for decades. Um, and fasting and feasting, those two rhythms have really been kind of the key that unlocked it for me because I think I was always trying to do both at the same time or swinging wildly between them. And we see both in scripture. We see that food is a gift given to us by a good God and that the Christian life is a life of denial and sacrifice. So yeah, yeah, I've struggled. That's a long answer to your shorter question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very relatable answer because I think we've all been there. And, but I do appreciate the balance of the fasting and the feasting mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, obviously you do one without the other, you, you can, you know, you, you can run into problems, but when right. you have the balance and so much, I believe so much of the Christian life is about balance. You're right. And there are people I know that, you know, I've heard the sermons, oh, you got to be hot or cold. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think God right. wants us to be cold, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I think maybe you're right. not quite applying that right. But the balance, yeah. especially when, when you get into physical food. I mean, that's, that's obvious. I mean, everything just experience, science, scripture, everything mm -hmm. just screams that. Let me ask you this. When I, I, I can relate not to all the health issues, thank goodness, um, but to the uncomfortableness of when I, you know, I, I got pretty big many years ago. I ended up dropping 50 pounds. And the difference in the way I felt um, was night and day the energy yep. level that I had. I mean, so I've, I've experienced all those things. I got to where I enjoyed working out, um, mm -hmm. which I'm not there right now, but you know, <laughs> I understand that the patterns you create and the habits you create, you, you start yeah. to, you, you enjoy them, you live in them, you know, you benefit from them. But the spiritual side of things, when we indulge in food, uh, which is, you're very self-focused typically, you mm -hmm. know, uh, we can get to a point of, uh, uncomfortableness, uncomfortableness, if that's a word and poor physical health and right. pain and lethargy and all those things that go with it. Even some of the uh, mental struggles, you know, depression, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that are tied to our, our diets and how much we weigh, you know, how overweight right. we are spiritually. When we live a life that is, self-indulgent mm -hmm. we think only of ourselves that also leads to a, a place that is not comfortable for a lot of people around us and is not right. healthy spiritually do you think maybe god's like and doesn't make us happy ultimately yeah i mean it makes right. us miserable yeah no that that's a good point too because it you feel you feel good while you're eating all the junk food right for a while <laughs> right. and, then, and then it turns on you it's ugly but do you think god maybe created our bodies to mirror 
our spirits? I absolutely think he did. One of the epiphanies in this journey for me has been that I'm not a disembodied spirit. I had some really bad theology that was like investing in my body is not how I'm supposed to be using my time. I'm supposed to be doing more spiritual things. Well, God created me in a body and everything God has for me to do this side of heaven, I'm supposed to do inside this one body and I don't get to trade it in or upgrade it. So parenting my kids. I do that from within this body. Um, writing about Jesus, writing books of Bible studies. I do that from within this body. Loving my neighbor as myself. I do that with my body. So I do think there was supposed to be a connection and we've we've severed it um, somehow. And Romans 1 tells us that the invisible nature of God is visible in what he has made. So we can always be looking at creation and going, okay, this has something to teach me about the character of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that includes our very own bodies. And you're totally onto something there. The word I would use for the indulge or not indulge and where's the spiritual parallel and all that, which is a great line of thinking. For me, it's a stewardship question. Mm. Uh, when I realize. God has given me this body and this food so that I could steward it for his glory. That does change what you reach for. I mean, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to call it a sin to eat a bag of potato chips. I, don't, I can't back that up with scripture, right? but um, I can say it's not a great stewardship decision. And, you know, scripture uses food and drink this way, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Why did they use food there? Well, because food's so every day. It's so everybody. And so I absolutely think God's trying to teach us something by our food patterns. In Christian liberty, in Christian freedom, I could adopt an all-donut diet if I wanted to. But uh, I would probably not be a great witness for Jesus because I'd be very irritable. Sugar has that effect on me. I would not have a lot of energy, and I need a lot of energy for everything the Lord's put into my life. So I think I just started asking different questions. Not is God going to be disappointed in me if I eat this, but is this going to help me steward all everything else that God has given me? And that's, it's made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, what you drinking there? What, what's in the just mug? Just water. Just water? Just water. Yeah. <laughs> Mine. Mine's coffee. I admit that. Uh, uh, okay. Here's, uh, it's going to be coffee o'clock for me soon. <laughs> here, here's an interesting thing that, I, that I've noticed. When you, well, when I, you know, could eat and the food that I love uh, and started eating, you know, more fruits and vegetables and lean meats, which I now love, um, it was boring at first. And you hear yep. that when people start some kind of spiritual discipline, you know, reading the Bible's boring. Trying to pray, my mind wanders, is boring. Church is boring, and some of them are, if we're honest. Mm. What, there, there, do you see any kind of parallel between the, the mundaneness of stewarding our bodies well and the spiritual disciplines that are necessary to grow in a healthy Yeah, way? I think all appetites can be trained. And I think that's our physical appetites can be trained and our spiritual appetites can be trained. I've often said you're never going to love the Bible more. You're never going to read the Bible less by reading it more. So that's just not how it works. <laughs> uh, you're not going to dive into a psalm and walk away from it and go, uh, I don't didn't do anything for me. I mean, it's living inactive. It might not have just jumped off the page and arrested your heart, Hmm. but you are satiating something in your soul that is going to want to continue to be satiated. And one thing I've learned with food that has been an interesting um, parallel to my spiritual life is I've learned those foods that I eat them 
and I immediately want to eat them again and immediately I want to eat them again and immediately I want to eat them again. Like that's the stuff that's not really good for me. Hmm. And the same is true with scripture. I don't, I don't open my Bible in the morning and then close it and then I need to open 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 it immediately like I do with Instagram. I'm getting something different is happening in my brain. Something different is happening in my spirit. Those things that can satisfy me for a while, a day, a couple days mm-hmm. um, that God's designed for me. And the same thing happens with food. So, yeah, to the person watching or listening who is going, man, I am not as excited about my spiritual life as this girl is. That's OK. Uh, you you can train your appetite. And God's given us so much practical insight in his word for how we hunger and thirst for righteousness, like he's called us to do. Mm -hmm. And when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will always inevitably lose our taste for the things of the world, this world, because they just can't compare. Yeah. You ever noticed uh, on a bag of chips, or I've noticed, especially on a, uh, a, one of those one gallon things of Bluebell, we have Bluebell ice cream down here in Texas. Mm, That's the good stuff. Yeah, it is the good stuff. Best ice cream in the country. Uh, yeah. it, it says, I think on the ice cream, the, the jug about like like that big, you know, it says, I think I think it's 24 servings. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing good with four servings out of this thing. No kidding. Um, so we do. Is that like half a cup? A fourth of a cup? It's one of the big ones. Not much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. How do you do the math? But but what your point, my point being that your point about the the pattern we can get into both mm-hmm. physically and spiritually with the the unhealthy things and, and yeah. just because, man, I, 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 you know, I have to dish a little into a bowl so that I don't sit there and just keep doing it. I can always go one more, you know, mm-hmm. what do you. What do you see when people start to get the parallel, both physically and spiritually, of, of a level of discipline, um, a level of self-control? Uh, what are the rewards you see on both sides of that? It's interesting. Some of the ladies in my Bible study and I are doing a whole 30. I don't know if you've ever done a whole 30, but you basically cut a bunch of stuff out. <laughs> it's like no sugar, no grain, no dairy. You're supposed to do that for 30 days. You be eat whole foods like you were describing fruits, vegetables, lean meats. Um, and then when that 30 days is up, you're supposed to rework things in as a way to kind of re understanding your body better. And I've done it before. I always feel like I could build the Eiffel Tower on my own when I'm on them. I just feel so good. And several of us are doing it. And we were talking about it last night and they were like, it's crazy because I, I'm disciplining myself better in food, but suddenly I'm more disciplined in my Bible study. Mm. So, suddenly I'm more disciplined in the way that I talk to my kids. Why is that happening? Because I cut out some things out of my diet. Well, you're you're developing some muscles. You know, mm. uh, self-control is hard for all of us, and it always will be until we're in glory. That's why we get it as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. He gives it to us as he works in us. Um, but need- when you can have self-control, you go, okay. God, I want more of that. I I really can deny myself of that. And so um, I just think it excites people because I think a lot of us feel like 
there's no way we can have victory in the area of food in our lives. It's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. We're chronically starting over on Monday morning, right? And we deal with that yucky cycle of I'm going to do better. I didn't do better. <laughs> right. Now that I didn't do better, I'm going to pick out like crazy so that the, on Monday when I restart, I won't have to deny myself. Ugh, who wants to live that way? I mean, Jesus said he came to give us abundant life, and that doesn't sound very abundant to me. So once we see that he really can bridle us he can cause change within us that's exciting and i think it applies in lots of areas one of the mental things that i did when i was dropping a bunch and and i and i i still do it from time to time just not as consistently as i should but that is because so when you started that you're like we cut out this we cut out this no this no this no sugar no bread no no Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people approach their spiritual life the same way i can't do this you're right can't do that and when you when you hit it like that i mean it does it sounds punitive it doesn't mm-hmm. sound fun and it sounds hard yeah. to stick with and it also sounds like hey, maybe i'll try to do it for a little while but i can't wait to go back you know mm-hmm. when i started saying you know what i'm gonna eat all I, I i like salads i love a good caesar salad with a light you know caesar or good vinaigrette yeah. uh there's a lot of vegetables and fruits that i, I really do like i had success when i said you know what I'm going to have as much of the healthy food as I want. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. hungry. I'm going to I'm going to have all this good, enjoyable food till I'm full. And when I get hungry, I'm going to eat more of it. But I didn't have the calorie count of the yeah, you know some of the other things. That's but good. Like, I wish I'd written about that in my book because that's a, like that's such a beautiful point. To how we approach spiritually, God it's the same. Spiritually, it's the it same is. thing, right? Because you go, you know what? Okay. Instead of focusing on what I, I can't do, I got, I got, you know, or the, you go, oh, you know, I can have the fruit of fruit, mm. the mm. fruit, a food reference of the spirit. I, I can have self-control. I can have peace. I can have gentleness and, and kindness. You get a prophet. Mm. I can have wisdom. I mean, who doesn't want that? Right. So I think a lot of times our approach both towards food and spiritual health, if we would really decide okay yeah I, I, it's a byproduct that i'm not going to have all this stuff that's not good for me mm-hmm. but i'm going to i'm going to go hard and fast for the healthy yeah i love that i mean it it speaks to god's very character in scripture it says no good thing does he withhold mm. so one of the things i'll say to myself is i don't have if i if there's something i don't have it's because it's not good for me and sometimes it can seem like something that Why isn't that good for me? Why can't I have that promotion or why can't I have that whatever it is? Well, scripture says no good thing does he withhold. So if you don't have it, it wasn't good for you. But how about the keys to the kingdom? How about being a co-heir with Christ? How about having a home with him in eternity? How about the church? How about the fellowship of the saints? How about peace, which you mentioned? How about joy that doesn't make sense? We have been given a smorgasbord Mm -hmm. in him. And you're right. I think our tendency is to fixate on the I can't when we have so many I can'ts. Yeah, I love it. Well, all you guys out there, you can feast on that. Mm-hmm. Even if you're fasting physically. Yeah. Chew uh, this, on that thought. <laughs> you chew on that one. This is the book, Feasting. I'm sorry, Fasting and Feasting. Uh, does the order matter? Whatever. They can find it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Fasting and Feasting. Well, yeah. I didn't know. It's, I, I don't mean just in finding the book, but in, in the actual process. Of no. It. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Aaron, I appreciate you being with us. Is there anything I missed that uh, you want to mention before I let you go? Mention your podcast. No. Maybe tell them what's going on there. 
Yeah, I should do that. Great yeah. conversation. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear me teach, you can hear me teach at the Deep Well podcast. We actually have a season coming up in October on this topic. Eight episodes, I think, if I remember right. We put them in the can a while ago on this idea of fasting and feasting, what scripture has to say about both, what are the parallels like we've been talking about to faith and food. So The Deep Well with Aaron Davis. I'd love it if you check it out. All that's at AaronDavis.org? It is. It's all there. Perfect. Uh, Aaron, I do appreciate you. This has been fun, and and I'm going to think about it all weekend, and hopefully some good things will come of it. (laughs) Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys watching. Have a great weekend. We've got more for you next week. Great interviews. Check out AaronDavis.org and her book. And uh, enjoy your feast and benefit from your fast. We'll see you again next time here on Life Your Life. You don't have to go anywhere or be in any specific place. It is the believing of the heart. It is faith in God. You believe in pain.